sing together right now all across this building with all of our hearts. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Oh, thank you, the Lord. What a tremendous service. What a spirit of God is in this place. God's not here by accident. He does nothing by accident. He's here because you're here and because I'm here. Because He wants to move in our lives. He wants to do something memorable for each and every one of us. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Bland, for the privilege standing in this pulpit. Thank you to this church for making us feel at home. We're thankful for the history of this great congregation, what it's meant to this area, and indeed to the entire church around the world for so many years. Thankful to be part of it. Nehemiah chapter 6. I'm going to read just two verses. The second and third, Nehemiah 6, 2 and 3. That Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. You know, just the name of that place. I don't think I want to go there. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I'm doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? I want to preach a little while today on this theme. Don't come down. go down. No, no, no. Let's stay right where we are. What you think? Lord, thank you for your word. It's truth and power. It's eternal and universal application. We pray you'd bless today. Quicken our hearts and minds by your spirit that's already here. Anoint, I pray, me to preach all of us to hear and apply thy word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Please be seated. Nehemiah came to Jerusalem right in the center of the perfect will of God. It's an unlikely scenario. It's filled with a lot of questions and a lot of what ifs. It was only by chance, it seems, that Nehemiah had some visitors who dropped by his place in the palace. And there he turned the conversation to those struggling few that had escaped the Babylonian captivity and made their way back to the land of promise. Those few that had remained there during the time of trouble and were ecking out a survival level life. How's it going, he said. What progress has been made? 
Is it better than it has been? And these travelers shared with Nehemiah the truth of the circumstances of the children of God in Jerusalem. Well, it is better, they said. There has been progress. But the problem is, how can you establish a life in such a violent time and such a desolate place when there's no protection, there's no hope that if the enemy comes, there's any way to survive his onslaught? We simply do not have what we need to survive and to protect ourselves because the walls are broken down and the gates are burned with fire. And if we make too much progress and we trigger the jealousy and the fear of our enemies, we have no way to hold him Nehemiah said, when I heard this report, I couldn't help myself. I sat down and I began to weep. I wept. I could not sleep. He said, I began to pray for the people in Jerusalem. A burden fell on me. I began to seek God and ask him to do something about their circumstances. You know, you might want to be careful about getting a burden. Because if you get a burden, God may make an opportunity for you to be the instrument of accomplishing what your burden is calling for. Nehemiah happens to be the king's butler. He's the cupbearer. He writes of it, describing it in the book that he writes in the first person. And he tells us that he couldn't help himself. He's under such a burden. He's under, under such an impulse to do something, to see something happen, that hope might live in the hearts of God's people, that he enters the throne room, he brings the king his meal, and he's sad of countenance. He said, I've never done that before. That never happened. I always, I always put a smile on my face. I always put a, put, put a song in my voice. I always make sure the king is in the presence of, 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 of peace and joy when I come in the room, but not today. I couldn't help it. And the king looks up at Nehemiah and says, what's eating you? What's bothering you? You're not sick, so this has got to be a heart issue. There's something really wrong. What's bothering you? And Nehemiah starts pouring out his heart to the king. He starts telling him of the, of the awful, appalling conditions of the people of God in Jerusalem. There's no wall. There's no protection. There's no hope of bettering themselves because the enemy has nothing to stop him. And I'm so burdened about it. I want something to happen. I want there to be some kind of revival. I want my people to survive. And the king says, so what's your request? What do you want to do about it? What do you want to accomplish? And Nehemiah gets the message. He's a butler. 
He waits tables for the king. He brings him his golden goblet filled with wine. He always has the right word, the right attitude. He always sets uh, the, the ambiance of the room. He's never built anything as far as we know. But he says, I want to go. I want to travel to Jerusalem. I want to build those walls. And the king says, well, how long are you going to be gone? And he doesn't tell us how long, but he said, I gave him a time. And then I said, would you give me letters to the, to the, to the rulers in that area? Would you give me a letter to your, to your lumberyard guy? Would you give me a letter of credit to Home Depot or wherever? Because I'm going to need some stuff. And the king says, whatever you need, I'll supply it. You go do it. I'll take care of everything you need to get it done. And Nehemiah begins the journey. He travels from Babylon to Jerusalem. Nobody knows why he's there, but when he walks in that place, he looks around him and he says, this is doable. Bible says, Nehemiah testified, I slipped out at night. Nobody knew what I was doing. And I walked around the city and I checked out all the walls and all the burned gates and everything that was out of order. And I made up my mind, I'm going to do this. I'm going to accomplish this because I am here in the will of God. I am doing what God designed me to do. I wasn't made to be a butler. I was made to be a builder. I was made to restore what the enemy had torn down. I was made to again bring the glory of God to his people. That's what I'm here for. Now, it's amazing what this butler accomplished. It's amazing. He organized it. Read it. I think it's in the third or fourth chapter where it talks about this family was building this gate and, and, and this, this half tribe was building this part of the wall and, and, and this bunch was doing this and doing. Now, somebody had to organize all of that. Somebody had to motivate those folks. Somebody had to work out the supply lines and Nehemiah towers above them all and says, I'm going to get the will of God done. Now, I really feel in my heart that I'm here preaching to someone in particular. I don't know who it is. Don't have to know. I don't know the circumstances. Don't have to know. But I know what I feel in my heart. You're where you are in the work and the plan and the purpose of God, not by accident. It might seem unlikely, but you're where God has put you. You are not here by circumstance alone, but God put his hand on you and God opened the door of opportunity and you walk through that door and here you are right smack dab in the will of God. But I'm here to tell you, the devil don't like it when folks get in the will of God. 
The devil gets uneasy when folks partner with the power of the Holy Ghost and they start fulfilling what God had made them for. Because I'm going to tell you, when people get in the will of God, when people give their lives to God's cause without reservation, there is no limit to what can happen when people are where they belong and what they're doing is what God has called them to do. So they showed up, you know. They were concerned. They didn't want those walls built. They built those walls. We won't be running stuff around here anymore. If they build those walls, we cannot intimidate them into sitting with their heads tucked, afraid to step out and let God use them in an even higher level of service. So we've got to stop it. I'm preaching to somebody here today. The devil's been on your trail for quite some time. He's very alarmed because you've begun to move a little closer to what God designed you for. You've begun to witness to some of your neighbors. You've begun to talk to some of those kids at school. You've begun to share on your job what God has done for you. And the enemy's saying, can't have this. Got to nip this in the bud. They might bring revival to St. Louis and St. Charles. They might bring revival to this whole area. So let's stop it now. And I've come to tell you, don't listen to him. Don't let him entice you away from the will of God in your life. Don't let him talk you out of being what God has designed you to be. Sanballat shows up. Tobiah shows up. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Somebody out there is waiting for you to really get on fire for God. Somebody out there is waiting for you to step out with courage and become what God wants you to be because the only thing between them and a brand new life is somebody that will bring the word of God to them. That will model what God can do in a human life. Now, now look how they did it. Devil's smart. I mean, he's pretty dumb, but in you know he he consistently chooses the wrong side. But but really, he's he's cunning. I guess that's the word. I think Genesis it, the translation is subtle. It, it means wily. It means it means it means cunning. Sneaky. Look, look how they did it. First, they made fun of Nehemiah and the people working with him. 
when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that you do? You can't do anything for God. You can't be what you're feeling in your heart that God wants you to be. You don't have the talent. You don't have the ability. You don't have the education. Who do you think you are? You're crazy. Well, I've come to tell you a different story. If God puts you in a place of opportunity, it's because you can do the job. If God opened the door, it's because you can walk through that door. If God put you in contact with a hurting individual, it's because you've got the words. You've got the compassion. You've got the hope and help that they need. God would not open a door for you not to walk through it. He would not make a way for you to turn and go the opposite way. Come on. Don't listen to their laughter. It cannot stop us. God can use us. They made fun. They said, this is nuts. I like some of the things they said. What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him and he said, even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. They're a bunch of idiots. They can't build a wall strong enough that a little old fox couldn't go up there, jump up on it, and it'll just fall over. They cannot get it done. They cannot make a difference. They cannot go the distance. Let me speak to our enemy for just a moment. Don't you underestimate us. Don't you decide that we're not able. They called us uh, 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 hicks and, and from the wrong side of the track and, 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 and from the poor. I, I've been called poor white trash before. I don't care what they call us or what they think of us. I don't care what they say about us. This is our moment. We have come to the kingdom for just this hour. We're not here by accident. God saw something in every one of us that he called us in these last few hours of the age. And we're smart enough and strong enough and big enough to make a wall that the devil cannot penetrate. We can have a revival that will change our world. So they mocked them, made fun of them, but it didn't stop them. 
So then they decided we're going to fight them. Now, now being who they were, they were going to fight them by ambush. They were going to wait till everybody was busy building the wall. They were going to hide among the rubbish and spring out of their hidden places and kill them all and thus end the work of God. But there were Jews living out among those heathens and they heard the plans. Nehemiah said, I heard 10 times. 10 different times folks came and said, well, here's what they're going to do. And revealed their plan. So Nehemiah calls everyone together. He said, half of you is going to keep a sword in your hand. And the other half is going to keep on working. We're not going to stop doing what we are called to do. If we have to pick up a sword, that's what we'll do. But the work goes on. And the Bible says that the word got back to Sanballat. They know what you're up to. Some of them's going to guard it day and night. But the rest of them are going to keep on working. And the Bible says they abandoned their plans because they knew it wouldn't work. Come on, devil. Bring your best. But when you get here, you're going to find out we're ready for you. We'll meet you in the prayer room. We'll meet you around the front of the church we'll meet you in our worship we'll meet you from the pulpit and when you get here you're gonna find out who we are and who we serve so the ridicule didn't work and the threat didn't work so then they tried negotiation devil can't whip you. Where did we get this idea about how strong the devil is? I, I, I preach this every time I can halfway feel it, Pastor. Because I run into this. The devil is not the opposite of God. People get this idea in their head that you got God over on the good side. God over on, on heaven's side. And then in this corner, you've got the devil. He runs hell. He's on the bad side. And somehow we think that when the bell rings, they're going to come out in the middle and there's going to be this titanic struggle between Jesus and the devil. Ain't going to happen. Gavin, Gavin, forgive me. I'm going to use you as an example. Gavin's taller than me now. He was doing leg lifts like they were nothing. Just one, two, three, four, five. He said, come on, Pop, you try. I couldn't lift it one time. Not one. 
So he was kind of playing around with me one day, and he had some, uh, had some boxing gloves on, and I could take you, and you wouldn't have a chance. Well, you can't just stand there and you got to say something. you got to do something. So I said, let me tell you something. If there was a fight between me and you, there would be two blows, two hits. I'd hit you and you'd hit the floor. <laughs> do you know how easy it is to say that? It just rolls off the tongue. You know what I'm saying? I have yet to demonstrate it to be true. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It wouldn't, I don't, it wouldn't even be, it wouldn't even be that decisive if God took on the devil. I mean, that, that would be a, that would be a gigantic struggle compared to the power of God versus the power of the enemy. Here's what Jesus said. You know, the, the war in heaven, you know, the, the devil, he led a third of the angels into error. He was lifted up. He said, I will be God. And, 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 and this war broke out in heaven between the devil and God. And God, by the skin of his teeth, just barely won it. No. No, Jesus said, I was there. I reckon he was. He was God. And I saw the outcome. The devil fell from heaven like lightning. Lightning moves at 186,000 miles a second, buddy. That's getting kicked out. When he left heaven, he left so fast, he couldn't even leave a forwarding address. He hit this earth like a nuclear explosion because when God said enough, that was enough. When God said you're done, he was done. Don't let the devil talk you out of the will of God. He cannot stand against our Jesus. He cannot fight against our Jesus. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. No, so he'll come along and fool you. He'll make it sound like he's in charge. He'll make it sound like he decides. He'll make it sound like he's got it all figured out. It's all a lie. They came up to Nehemiah and they said, word. I tell you what, there's no need us being enemies. We can work this out. We can come to some accommodation. You've heard him before, haven't you, Brother Scott? I've heard him. Yeah, he's talked to me many times. Just calm down a little bit. Don't have to do all that yelling and screaming. Just calm down. You know, you're going to have a stroke. You just need to, you just need to get you a stool, you know, get you a chair and sit down. Just talk to people. I'm sorry, I've heard him. He's got all kinds of, 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 of selling techniques that he tries to use. They sent words, said, just come on down. <laughs> come, come on down to, oh, no. <laughs> Note to the devil. Get a new name. 
You're kind of giving away. <laughs> Just come on down to, oh, no, we're going to work this out. <laughs> I know, I know. Nehemiah was a great writer. He resisted the temptation. If I was writing that book, I'd say, so I sent a word back saying, oh, no. I'm not coming down to, oh, no. I won't be there. Here's what he said. He said, I'm busy. I got this call on my life. God is using me to make a difference in my neighbors, in my family. He's making a difference through me in my school, on my job. He's making a difference through me. Why should I come down where you are, ladies and gentlemen, to step out of the will of God, to fold your tent and quit the struggle is to go downward every time. There is no upward path away from the will of God. The downward spiral of life is when we step out of where God has called us to be. And he said, I ain't going to do it. I'm not leaving here. I challenge someone this morning, make up your mind. I'm not leaving the will of God. I'm not leaving the call of God. I'm not leaving the work of God. I'm not leaving what God wants to do. I'm just not going to. Maybe it isn't going so well. Doesn't matter. Maybe I'm not accomplishing what I thought I would. Doesn't matter. Maybe nobody notices. Doesn't matter. Maybe there's no applause. It doesn't matter. I'm going to keep putting one rock on top of another. I got a wall to build and I'm going to build it. No matter what. Coming down. They even hired a guy to go tell him. I mean, I mean, these guys are slick. They hired a guy to pretend to be Nehemiah's buddy and saying, here's what we need to do. Let's run to the temple. And let's go in the temple and lock the doors. They can't get us in the temple. We'll be safe in the temple. Church is not a hiding place. I'm sorry, Corey Tinboom, but the church is not a place to hide. It's a place to stock up on more supplies. It's a place to get rejuvenated, to get our strength back, to take a deep breath. We're not to lock ourselves away in the house of God. We're to come to worship Him, to hear His word, to become stronger and more able. And then we're to get back out there and start building the wall all over again. He told that false friend, I cannot lock myself 
away. I've got a job to do. I'm not going to shrink into my shell, but I'm going to get my sword. I'm going to get my hammer and my saw, and I'm going to go to work. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Don't you sit down and give up. Don't you decide it's never going to happen. You get back in the fight. You get back in the battle. You get back in the wall. You get back in the will of God. God's about to use you in a way you've never imagined possible. Don't come down. Don't come down. Don't come down. You're at the pinnacle of God's purpose in your life. Don't come down. Not now. Don't come down. I I want you to stand where I am going to try to quit. I hadn't got anywhere yet, but Nehemiah made it, stayed where he belonged because of three things that he knew, three attitudes that guided him because of three insights. First of all, he had the right attitude. He had the right insight about himself. I'm a child of God. I'm connecting with somebody right now. You are not a failure. You're not a no good. You're not a fall short. That's not you. I know how the devil has labeled you. I know how the world has labeled some of us. I get all of that. But let me tell you, you got to know who you are to start with. God picked us out. God found us. We didn't find him. We, We like to think about that, and that's okay. I don't care about it. But here's the deal. God looked through seven billion people and he put his hand on our lives and said, I'm going to save them. I'm going to keep calling them until they respond. I'm not going to give up. Don't tell me I'm no good. Don't tell me because I'm not perfect. I have to quit and sit in a corner. I am his child. I am the sheep of his pasture. I am the apple of his eye. He loved me when I was unloved. He saved me when I was still a sinner. God picked me out for this hour, for this place, for this time. And I am what I need to be to fulfill God's purpose. I got to hurry. Nehemiah stayed. Because of his insight about the work. They said, you can't do it. It, it, A fox will knock it over. Come on. Wasting your time. You might as well put your life in something of more value. You know, be a a billionaire. There you go. that's, that's That's a good ambition. Be a billionaire. Pastor says, as long as you pay your tithe, I don't have a problem with that. Be famous. Be known. Be be a YouTube guru. 
I mean, that, that's what matters. Be on entertainment tonight. Whatever that is. Yeah, yeah. That's what matters to the world. But Nehemiah said, huh, I'm doing a great work. What I'm doing is more important than a billion dollars. What I'm doing touches eternity. A billion dollars lasts till I'm gone and then my kids can spend it all. But no, no, no. What I'm doing is making a place where generations can find safety, where generations can find hope, where generations can find help. What I'm doing is going to be preached about 3,000 years later of some preacher telling what I did, what I accomplished. You're only going to be remembered, Sanballat, because you tried to stop me and you failed. Because this work is the greatest work that anyone has ever been involved in. What you're doing here right now, and I know what you're thinking, I'm just standing here. Oh no. You're fighting the forces of darkness right now. You're fighting the powers of hell. You're overcoming the power of death itself. You're making sure that hope does not fade in this crumbling culture of ours. You're taking the devil on because you got up this morning and you put your clothes on and you came to the house of God and you're here worshiping his name. You're doing a great work. It's one go home Bible study. If it's one kindly word in a moment of disaster in someone's life, if it's a prayer that touches heaven, you're in a great work. And don't let anything deter you from the work because it matters. Nehemiah stayed where he was. He overcame the ridicule. He overcame the fear. He overcame the threats. He overcame the deception and subtlety of the enemy because he had the right idea about God. Hey, Sanballat, I know I'm a butler. I can't even read a blueprint. But I got a God. Who formed the earth and flung it into the heavens. Who spoke and the stars began their movements through the heavens. Who called the mountains out of the sea. Who covered the land with grass who made every living thing. So what's a wall to my God? And here, here, here's what he told them. Then answered I them, said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we 
his servants will arise and build you've got no place you've got no portion you've got no right you've got no memorial but our God has put his hand God has blessed this church God brought this church into existence God used holy men of old to bring this church here we know we're not here without the efforts of someone who heard the call of God and someone who answered that call and someone who stayed on the wall now it is our turn stay where you are Sometimes we can. I don't. I don't often preach about it. I know what it is to struggle to understand. What am I doing? What have I given my life to? been where he was he lost everything he sat there in the ashes scraping the pus from the boils that covered his flesh he would look every once in a while down the, down the road to those ten freshly tucked graves that his babies were in he looked up at the house where the wife weeping her heart out after having lost all faith in her husband and his God. He'd listen to his friends tell him it's all your fault. You did this. You're here because of you. And finally he told him I'm sitting up here in the will of God. I can't find God. It doesn't make a lot of sense anymore. I can't find Him. I look behind me. He's not there. I looked out ahead. God help me. I couldn't see Him out there either. I looked on the left. No sign of Him where his strength allegedly resides there was nothing there either then Job then Job said so I tell you what I decided I'm not going down I'm not giving up. I'm just going to stay right here. I don't know where he is. 
but he knows where I am. He called me to this work. He called me to this cause. He called me to this church. So when I can't find him, I'm just going to keep doing what I know to do. I'm just going to keep doing what I know is right. I'm just going to keep doing what he called me to do. And one of these days, I'm going to come, I'm going to come through this. It's going to be like gold melted in a fire. But when I get to the other side, not only will I be better, but he's going to be waiting for me there and saying, I had you, I had you, I had you the whole way. As long as you stayed where I called you, you were going to make it. So I've come to tell you, on this January morning, the sanctuary, don't come down. We about got this thing licked. The trumpet's about to sound. We're about to hear the voice of the archangel. The shout is about to echo around the corridors of time. Don't come down now. No matter how humble it seems, no matter how, how, how useless it sometimes feels, just keep on piling those rocks. Keep on hanging those gates. Keep on doing what you know to do. We're going to make it through this. We're going to see a revival. It's going to change our families. It's going to reach our friends, our neighbors. It's going to make a difference because we're in the will of God. So say what you want, Sanballat. Come on. Try to, try to fool me. But I know where I belong. I know who I am. I know who I serve. I'm going to hang on. Stay with the ship, Paul said. And no matter how bad the storm, if you stay with the ship, you're going to make it through. Stay where you belong. And God's going to see you through. Maybe you've listened to Sandballad. Maybe you've come a few yards down. Maybe you've stepped away from that perfect place. It's not too late. Make your way to the front of the church and God will restore. God will rejuvenate. God will show you a new vision. God will strengthen your hand. God will say, you haven't wasted your life. God will say, this is the greatest work. This is what life is all about. If you'll come and tell the devil, I just ain't quitting. I just ain't giving up. I'm not coming down. Not today, not tomorrow, not ever. Come on, everybody that would like to. You don't have to be Pentecostal. You don't have to be a member here. You don't have to be religious. You don't have to be anything. But somebody that wants to be in the will of God, press in, won't you? Let's lift our hands and praise Him in Jesus' name. Thank you.